Welcome to North Beats from North Beach. I'm your host, Corey Luna, chatting with the people behind electronic music. Today we chat with Carolyn Falk, a.k.a. Sirnai. Sirnai has been creating music since the early 80s in industrial electronic music. And she came by today and chatted with me for two hours. And we go from talking about her music into her being a mother, raising her child, and into the spectrum of frequency of the body. And a couple announcements. We've got Peaked. That's again Peaked, P-I-Q-U-E-D. You can find out more at PeakedSF on Instagram. And you can find us on meetup.com as well. Let's look up Peaked. And that is my friend Rich Hogben and I. We've put together a show where we showcase two musicians at a time. And that runs from 7 p.m. till 9 p.m. Go and check out Resident Frequencies the first Sunday of every month. And check out Resident in San Francisco. Third Tuesday of every month, we're here in the Mission District. Back in March, I put my first solo album out under the name Kizzle, K-Z-Z-L. And the album is called Lixiviate. And if you like the album, I've got digital albums for sale, and I also have a cassette tape as well. And now, let's get into Sirnai. Thank you very much for doing my podcast, North North Beats from North Beach. Sure, sounds sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, first off, tell me a little bit about how you got into playing music. Uh, um, well, legend has it that <laughs> um, I, well, it, we, this goes really back to when I was um, very distinctly um, when I was nine. Uh, I was in New Jersey, and um, I had piano lessons, but um, for some reason, you know, I ended up hiding from the teacher, and so <laughs> um, there was an evening one night where um, I heard some, in the middle of the night, I kind of heard this, this voodoo drum. Um, we had a, like a four-story house, a three-story plus an attic, and I just heard this uh, voodoo thing in the <laughs> in the living room, and I, and I was like, what's that? And I went down there and it was like my father building a drum machine. It was the Paya um, drummer boy. And so uh, for some reason that traveled with me somewhere, you know, after uh, having moved so many times, I don't know how I still have it. (laughs) You still have today? I still have the drum machine. Yeah. And um, in fact, um, my first album when I was, you know, I was starting to do electronic music um well after a whole rock phase in the 70s but uh, we're early 80s like maybe 80 81 mm-hmm. it just switched um and i started um well just to mention um my father was an audiophile and so he would just collect all these um just different instruments and um definitely just like the best you know quadraphonic speakers and 
he would build for just a hobby. He was um, a, a systems computer systems analyst, and he worked for banks and stuff. So as a hobby, he would build um, analog gear. <laughs> so his drum machines, um, analog delays, flanger. Lavement was Paya. There was another synthesizer by Paya as well. So I think he just did all of those. And um, and he had a four-track, a TIAC four-track. And then, you know, no one could touch his stuff. <laughs> but I, I could look. Anyway, so um, I I didn't live in New Jersey very long. And we just ended up back in the um, West Coast. Um, probably during that time period, I also started writing into diaries. Um, I just realized how day-to-day changed because, you know, I took notes of the weather and the, the degrees and things like that because I hadn't seen snow before until then. So when I went to California, I just continued um, journaling. So kind of coinciding with journaling and my music, everything just was logged in by date and time from the beginning. So it would always be, um, that's just my, I haven't really named my work until recently. I mean, my, all my files and cassette, all the songs on the cassette, and I just had to just name them by the date and time. <laughs> so, um, anyway, the, um, probably, and, and I was, um, doing a lot of drawing. And so my fundamentally, I'm more visual, um, but I've always been into writing stories so somehow when I was you know when it came to the 80s and 81 I um uh sort of um I it was in a I was kind of writing music in a vacuum because there's no females definitely no females uh who, who was doing um what I was doing like the multi-tracking and plugging in uh the different effects um and I didn't know about the four tracks until well I try I tried to do overdubbing by recording tape recorders to tape recorders and then I just kept duplicating it and then finally I'm wondering how can I do more get more tracks so but somehow I discovered my father's four track in the living room and all his leftover instruments from like um garage sales or whatever so the, it would range from you know flute saxophone clarinets we had a piano a Rhodes keyboard, a drum set. <laughs> we had. Um, it's a great childhood. Excuse me. Sounds like a great childhood. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was just it was there, but it wasn't. That's not what I was um, driven to to do. It was more of a kind of a hobby too. So just like it was a hobby for him, I guess. But um, for me, it was always drawing, and and that was my main my main interest. But since it was there. Um, you know, all the, all this gear and chords and everything I had, I think when I was, by the time I was, um, 16, I might've had about 12 different guitars and basses and mandolins. I had like all the different kinds of, uh, string instruments, violin. <laughs> I had it just about almost cause I had just in bongo drums to, and I, I would travel, you know, in my teens or actually a little bit after my teens, but I would collect instruments from around the world as well. Um, from I think I went to Thailand and got something from there. Um, I went to Egypt and got some um, hand drums from there. And just wherever I went, in China too, I, Chinese guitar. So everywhere I went, I had to like get an instrument from that country. So I would it would just be, add to that whole collection. Um, so 
around the you know 80 81 everything the type of music it just changed um i think i just got you know as a teenager i started getting into to, to punk bands and i was in a, a couple of those and um i did a cover of the cure when you know one of their first albums came out as well um back then that uh i guess while jumping to current day um i have a new uh box set uh that dark entries put out and it actually contains the uh the cover of the cure that i did in 8081 nice. in a seven inch so that's includes it's included in the box set um so just wanted to tie that in because I was talking about the early eighties, but, um, so then I got really into Cabaret Voltaire. Uh, that was, a, Cabaret Voltaire. that was a big obsession of mine, like for some years. And, um, I think so many bands today are kind of like offshoots from it. Um, but, and I, I loved all their stages. However, you know, from the eighties to the nineties, however pop they try to become, but it was still experimental in their own way. Mm -hmm. um, and Europe's a lot more accepting of electronics and art and yeah. for so, so many years ahead. <laughs> so oh, it, it wasn't until only some years, a couple of years ago, I guess, where electronic music was just started to flourish in the U.S. And um, I mean, I remember, you know, in the 90s, um, um, this is kind of an odd one to talk about, but like I had a cousin who introduced me to someone like Nile Rogers, you know, and he was trying to connect me to people, but he was just telling me to go to Europe. And cause at the time, you know, everything was grunge and, um, we, we met up a little later as well and had some drinks in, uh, Sacramento and it's interesting cause he introduced me as a singer. <laughs> so it was like. I didn't want to say anything, <laughs> but, um, anyway, so those are the kind of like little, I mean, I, I've just been everywhere trying to promote electronic music for forever. And, and I've always been in this vacuum where whatever phase I'm in, I'm always in the vacuum of my own, even today, what I'm doing. Um, I just have this, uh, perspective. Um, and I don't know, maybe I've, been, it's been self-reinforcing as well. I mean, it, when I was 16, uh, I was doing it in, you know, in the, kind of this vacuum and um, and just kind of develop my own style. I mean, back then, no one said it was ex anything was experimental that I I don't didn't know that term. Um, but and it was interesting because the lot, some of the reviews I had for my first album, Char, Char Blossoms, um, you know, the people were amazed how many how much I could fit into four tracks and the only way to do that I didn't know about mixing it wasn't even through a mixing board I used um, a reverb mic to angle the sounds I was recording to get the EQ so I was just wow. you know that's all I, that's all how I thought I could vary the sound and then I of course experimenting with plugging you know cha daisy chaining different effects analog to delay or whatever and through an amp and um and so you're just kind of inventing like different techniques um it was again just kind of for fun yeah. <laughs> but then it ended up being an album um and then probably the f some years after that it became kind of like cassette based for a little bit 
um, in, in the, still in the eighties because the, um, I couldn't, I mean, there wasn't enough room on vinyl so that it ended up becoming, um, you know, these 90 minute tapes or whatever, you know, 80, 60, 90 minute tapes. And, um, you know, I, I just, I've been through the whole period of like the analog through the, the digital realms. And I think ever since the digital kicked in, you know, for me in the late eighties, um, you know, I, I don't think I can, I don't, I don't think I went back really. So anyway, I'm rambling. <laughs> you can no, ask it. Right. You yeah, asked one question. That's what you get. <laughs> and I'm, I'm very happy that you're you're reflecting on so much. It's yeah. fantastic to hear. Yeah, one question is an hour. That's great. <laughs> Each, if you have <laughs> ten questions, all right. No, that's great. Um, I was because I'm I'm so fascinated by you know the process that you you're describing of you know in the '80s. This is how you were able to do so much work onto a you know, four track recorder. You know, the, the reverb and daisy chaining it's fantastic to hear because you know i wasn't you know that's not my background so i don't know about that exactly and it's interesting this whole modular thing too because i mean i mean stemming from i know the stemming from you know the early you know decade earlier a couple decades earlier maybe i, I don't know when it's exactly started or where but um i, I tried modular i think once or twice yeah. <laughs> to be honest i had like an sms um, little small version of a, like this bigger wall um, SMS I think um, can't I don't think you can really find it these days but um, yeah it, it was just one thing that came and went but I love of course you know the sounds and and its rawness and everything um, but to be honest what I ended up doing was just sampling all them all my changes because mm -hmm. I mean that's luckily today you know there's a lot of hybrid you know you can there's a lot of digital hybriding into the modular, and which is, a, you know, something I can explore perhaps. Um, but I guess back then I I always needed to date and time everything. I guess like you know I had to document everything, so I couldn't document those knobs. I couldn't do it. And right. same with mixing boards. You know, you, you it wasn't until I encountered something like the Euphonics, and this was like maybe ninety four, ninety five. Um, a friend of mine had, well, he worked at this, uh, um, um, recording studio, um, and he gave me the keys to, keys to it for a couple of days to mix down Transfiguration. Um, and, you know, I, all I came, I, I just brought my alarm clock so, so I can, you know, sleep in the ISO booth because I had all that time, you know, so... Um, but that was one of the first mixing boards that you can do recall, like digital recall. Okay. Um, now I, I have this Yamaha one and it, it's, it's amazing how the price changed, you know, changed since then. Sure. But, um, you know, back then it was really the cutting edge, uh, mixing board that I knew of. And, um, you can recall all your settings, your EQ or whatever, and automate, it was one of the few ones. Um, I think, you know, I don't even know if Pro Tools, I think Pro Tools was just starting. And I had like a, just a DigiDesign um, with Vision, Studio Vision and Sample Cell, you know, without... Was the early 90s? Yeah, the early 90s. So that's how I was kind of emerging into the digital. Mm -hmm. um, but I always liked uh, being able to recall stuff. If I can't recall stuff, I'm... Um, 
I don't want to put the effort <laughs> because it's like I'll lose it. But it, that's just me because I, I just I've learned throughout the years, you know, through moving and different uh, environments and different, you know, gaining, losing friends or whatever that the time just, you know, it's just this. Um, uh, it's like a it's an ongoing how should I call this like it's a radio station that's always on and you're, it's going to be filled with something. Yeah. And um, uh, I just learned early that, you know, when things change over, you, you kind of don't kind of get it back. I mean, you can think, want to go back and we try to envision stuff, but that's just how time works. So um, uh, I, I don't know. I invest my time a certain way, I guess. But I but what's happened was just like I, I never sought my things to be... Um, uh, anything in particular in terms of like, um, you know, I didn't have a goal of making, I'm going to make a hundred albums or anything like that. It's just like, it's all the experiments happened. A lot of them happened in the eighties did happen in the analog, um, world, but then, but then again, no one's, no one has seen my save as in my, in my digital settings. <laughs> so like, you know, analog wise, I have so many cassettes, you just keep recording, but then when you get into the, um, the save as in, in the um, digital realm. I mean, no one has seen how many I have on those. So there's probably a lot more than 100. So you probably have saved everything you've ever played? If I have something sound. that I've um, experimented with or whatever, I, I save it. And then, and then you know, I mean, I've, I've once said that, um, th that I do remixes until I get the original. <laughs> so so I would just keep doing wow. the remix and then maybe the original will come out of it. <laughs> so it's like the different different way of coming at your hit song. Are you using um a particular program for recording nowadays? That's a great question <laughs> because it's funny um because I just um I w wasn't completely expecting uh to have been included <laughs> in the great Mutech festival. Um, the digital festival, um, and I was using Pro Tools. I mean, I, I was, I'm a Pro Tools digital design person since since it was invented. And um, and in fact, in the '90s, I invented a, a digital editor, like a like a batch editor, because at that time you would have to edit all your waveforms, so every single sample, because everything was all samples. Um, I mean, that was the hype back then. Um, so I didn't want to edit every single thing. So I um, ha had programmed something called a robotic editor. And so you can go through like 500 drum sample hits and then just press go and it'll edit it all within a minute. Mm -hmm. So you have all of it and then you load it into your sample or whatever. And, and that worked great. Um, but um, so I was always been a Pro Tools person. Now when Mutech came along, <laughs> Um, I, or even slightly before, cause I knew I wanted to do some live anyway, but, um, I found myself having to, I mean, I've been procrastinating for years to try to deprogram myself from Pro Tools, you know, as a cult, yeah. a Pro Tools cult into another cult, the Ableton <laughs> cult. And, uh, so I had a friend, um, or I found, um, this guy named Raven. He was, uh, I just found him from some blog or something, but, yeah. you know, he, was really great at helping to um, uh, help me understand how it worked 
and it's so different pro from Pro Tools. I mean, after seeing the differences and I mean, everything has plus and minus. I mean, Pro Tools, to be honest, sounds better. <laughs> but I mean, I, maybe I didn't find the right setting in Ableton or whatever. Maybe I had to put in the tones or, you know, some other setting. But I can hear the difference. I mean, I can hear the difference between that tape uh, manufacturers. I mean, the Maxell to wow. Sony. I know the difference. I mean, I don't know. It's all digital, but I can still hear it. Anyway, the um, so I can hear it with Ableton. But the thing that Ableton is amazing. It's it's um, the time stretch factor um, and being able to, um, you know, there's a new product called the Sensil Morph that is absolutely when I, I, I first saw that only some weeks ago, I was like, I had to have this. And it, it was just, it's basically, it looks like a trackpad, like a big trackpad, yeah. but you can overlay, um, you can over, they have overlays and you can um, make it a drum pad or a um, control, you can control different things. Um, uh, you can do, um, actually there's a blank pad you can you can assign where you could design you could draw a cartoon and then make something trigger from somebody's head or whatever i mean it's a really amazing new technology that is I, that yeah. is that a different design from uh, max msp uh i don't know how it's created uh i i mean the it's... like the environment of, of it um i i'm not as familiar with max to be honest but um I don't know how it was created, but it's it. I think they do take um, advantage of the um, uh, MIDI polyphonic expression hmm. with a um, uh, what's that program? The bit Bitwig. Bit, was it Bit? I don't know Bitwig. I'm starting to forget <laughs> that, that. I keep forgetting that name. Yeah. But um, so anyway, so they it, it it's um it's really. Um, amazing the potential it has it's sense it's basically sensor technology wow. so um and i started thinking of all kinds of things you could in the future what you could do with sensor technology and in one of my talks at mutech uh the future of digital no sorry the future of musical instruments um i i just went to town on that subject of uh, the future and in sensor technology what you could do because you can merge um, I'm hoping, you know, uh, other sciences can merge with, um, you know, different types, you know, f with music or art, you know, cause I think yeah. everything's becoming like a polymath of things where, you know, we're always trying to represent what we are, you know, as human beings. And so, um, you know, um, I also have been, you know, over the years studying, um, uh, certain, Med types of meditation practices that where you can, um, you know, I've been studying um, with swamis and I've been um, understanding human to human frequency exchange. So uh, it's a very tactile thing. You can feel energy when you walk out of a room, when you sit with like a, a monk or, or whatever, it's really real. Wow. And um, so my, I, I would envision, you know, using some kind of sensor, like in something called a QEEG, um, they use for, um, to do brain mapping. Oh, wow. um, for, like, right now it's for people who have maybe some impairments like autism and mm -hmm. um, people, you know, they want to be able to pinpoint where it is in their brain so they can, when they sense it, 
they could they, it prints out a map of the regions that they might have a deficit. Um, so if there's a speech deficit or whatever, it'll show up, and then they would maybe program something around it using neurofeedback. So um, something like that, like if they, if we can, some, uh, and I'll look into it. Mm-hmm. So somehow, is, if there's a way to, you know, use some kind of sensor technology and take a snapshot of the energy that that I've been studying, for example, my hopes is that there's a way to, um, and I'm sure there's some studies now, perhaps where, you know, I, I could eventually take a snapshot of, of the state that I'm in, the energy, and yeah. then save it as a plug-in, date and time. <laughs> and then I could go back to, um, you know, I want, you know, 2003 layered with a 2019 mood I was in, and, you know, to c- create the layers of, you know, colors, you know, you can color code, and um, to be able to... Uh, transcend time because eventually you know some someone will have a snapshot mm-hmm. of what you know a certain musician you know what their frequencies were um so you know i think there's a, a lot of potential in the technology today um and that's why i think um i mean the hybrid of the analog and the digital you know it's it's it had had to happen um but uh, yeah, I think the I think you're on to something with that a lot. Is so I went to Synthplex in in March. Oh, I went there. Oh, you were there. I was there. Oh. <laughs> I went that's, to cross paths. Yeah, I that's how that's where I discovered um, Sensilmore. Maybe that's where you if you if I looked familiar, maybe that's where you saw me. Yeah, you look know. familiar. Okay, maybe it was there. Yeah. I don't know. I I was a I was a I was a photographer for the event, so I was running around every day. Oh, oh I was I, everywhere. That was you. It wasn't me. <laughs> yes. I, I got in front of every panel I, I could get into. I sat in the very front so that I could get the best photos. Wow. Even though like there's like they had video cameras going on 24/7 sure. in the back for every you know speaker, which I think was great. Like they had excellent coverage of everything. But I've just you know over the years of I think I've got I don't know maybe 20 years of photography behind me. And I've done it so often that I have, I'm not in, I'm not shy or embarrassed to put myself in front of everybody to get the right shot. You have way more terabytes than I do. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, but one of my favorite panels that I sat in for was uh, Alan, the Alan Howarth. Oh, the, I was there. For his that was amazing. Where he talked about the frequency of the uh, oh yeah. the, the mind and through the body. You 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 were there. You were in that room. Yeah, I was. That was my favorite talk. I think so. I what I mean. I what was that number? <laughs> uh, two, between four twenty five and four forty. Right. Okay. And so that was the one that, um, if you if you tune everything to, yeah, you pitch it right. 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 It was so, it was so funny because he had all kinds of calculations going. He really on. did. He had everything down to the number. I'm still fascinated by it. Yeah. I really am. I know. I I was uh. I was surprised how mathematical that was. That Me panel. too. I was so impressed that he went to, to Egypt and rented a pyramid <laughs> to measure the king's room <laughs> and it was that's fascinating so, that's so funny i know he went all the way there to rent the room to get the frequency so that that's what i'm talking on. about see yeah. i'm i'm in the neuro uh, the, the realm that area i mean i, I like to go into the brain area the chamber the king's chamber in my head yeah that's where i want to yeah. go and do you think that some you know over the you know with uh in the same light as what you're 
talking about of like kind of creating you know a, a frequency portrait of where a you know an artist's mind is you know throughout their t lifetime do you think that some I would that maybe some of your music are are portraits at that time of where your mind is absolutely it's um as I was saying, I was writing in diaries, and I ha and I have at least fifty diaries, at least, because then it went into computers, so it's more. But um, I, I've it's already, I already have something ready ready to to print. Actually, it's been edited already, and everything. They're all portraits of the that time period. I, I mean, not that time, but throughout the time. Um, and I I think. It, from journaling, you know, writing in diaries to drawing to um, all the different mediums that I just felt that were natural outlets, like his music, and even within the outlet, like music, there'd be all the other things, like the instrument, each kind of instrument too. It's not like just one keyboard. My whole life, <laughs> it's it's like it's like the salad bar. You know, you have everything, but. Um, it's just, yeah, they're portraits, but they're, I call it like the, a movie, like a, um, the, a movie that's been running for 30, 40 years. It's never stopped. Mm -hmm. It's, it's always been going. It's nobody stopped the camera and nobody stopped me either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually my, I don't, my parents didn't really say I couldn't or couldn't do anything. I mean, it was just, they knew I was an artist. Um, but I think I just had this sense of freedom and nobody really said you couldn't do it Good. i don't know so because there's hindrances people have and that a lot of things that people have to really um jump hoops to try to get creative or whatever but it's um i don't think that's been the, if i if i'm too conscious of it maybe but um I don't, f for so many years i i think i um <clears throat> partly i just didn't um you know, when you feel like nobody's watching, you, know, you just do whatever you want. Like, yes. I don't, didn't really have to create a hit and, you know, I didn't have to really do anything. So, um, and that's, maybe that's why I, I have so much work. I mean, um, it was really only until maybe a year or two ago, I decided to try to get, collect all my cassettes or my reels and all the dat tapes and digital files everywhere and I just realized I had I had about like a hundred over a hundred albums of stuff wow. plus field recordings I, I carried my recorder recorders everywhere from the um, you know Sony Walkman period mm -hmm. cassette in Europe in, in around the world actually Thailand and um, China um, even on a camel and in Egypt um, recording this guy that was uh, supposed to be my tour guide and he was singing on, on the camel and stuff but it was uh, I, I love memories I, I mean I'm just uh, yeah so I um, I feel like I liked going back and looking at stuff and, and also it's actually very therapeutic too because you know if you if you hit a snag in your psyche about something it's always about something and then you can pinpoint it and there's a lot of therapies out there that do the same thing but they're you know they're therapies but if you can do your own you know you don't need a psychiatrist or something but I don't know I mean well I've done so many things to try to um I mean not just therapeutic but just to move 
your um, your synapses forward, you know, also to develop it, you know, to develop your brain um, as well. So um, anyway, so if I were to, you know, hit a snag in the psyche, I can go back to like a diary I had in the 80s and read through it like um, like an old friend who would tell, you know, tell me all the things that happened, I would say, um, oh, that's, you know, that's where it was. Oh, I get it. I understand. I can move forward. <laughs> but I went back to move forward. Um, and I've, I kind of did that a few times. And it's soothing. Like, it's really soothing for me. And so, but but moving forward-wise, too, developmentally, I um, researched, um, or not researched, I was, I was a, um, I studied under several swamis for like the last 20 years um, and, and really focusing on like the, the idea of the energy exchange idea and the frequency. And, and it's so, I've never experienced anything like that. Um, that's so real. That's so tangible and very physical. Cause you know, if you do meditation or something, you, you kind of don't think you, you think it's sort of like a Zen, just a state or something like it's a frame of mind. But when you understand, um, the, the practice is Kundalini yoga and uh, it's it's a certain particular type. It's an eye open. Tra- it's a transmission. Um, so the swami would sit there and and they would look at you, and then by the end of an hour, you know you're pu- like you're purified. <laughs> you're you see everything really clear. Um, and uh, I don't know how they do it, but it's it's pretty amazing. And I used to travel to different cities to uh, not, well, I mean different places to um, where you know where some of them were. Um, I tried to go to, there's certain places in the world too, like physical locations that you can kind of get kind of the same thing. Um, and so I traveled, traveled to places like Sedona, uh, Arizona, which is a pretty amazing place. So just travel to a certain place. And then I would bring my computer and my laptop and my musical, uh, you know, instruments or, you know, just laptop stuff and try to compose while I'm in that it's, you know where you where the energy is and then I would um for one of my albums I really went out and um I would um compose only after you know a swami empowerment like because you're such in a empowered state of mind like you're in it's such a high frequency that that's the time to do it so I would harness that time and just you know I knew what I was planning to do and I that and I did an album called Magic Realism and and that was a kind of a low-key release but um that was all that that's what that was all about um did you put some of that on your website yeah the um the website that's um I've accumulated all the and you know archived everything's sure um it's called memoirofsound.com um memoir of sound memoir of sound so it's like a memoir, um, kind of like that, like a diary or journal, you know, of your pa- of sound. <laughs> yeah. So um, I have everything there from the 80s, 90s, 2000, anything I could find that was recorded. Um, they weren't meant to be, you know, album, album stuff. So that's why they're kind of like archived. And if there's more versions of one thing, I would say it's just an ABC or whatever. And like, you know, the save as type of thing. Mm. Um, but, um, it, 
pretty much has all the bands and everything, every, pretty much everything I've pretty much done. I, mean, I think I might have left out just one or couple, two things um, because I want to use it for a remix or a live or something like that. Um, there may be a couple things that aren't on there yet, too. Um, and eventually I want to create a little documentary, like at least a video. I, I don't have many videos out at all, surprisingly. Um, it's just not, didn't become the focus of mine. But n now I'm really into it. I want to do one, so, um, yeah. Yes. What's your, so what is your goal with doing a video? Um, like you just want to have like a compilation of like, you know, performances, something like that? Or um, it's just, mind? yeah, it's just, um, in kind of an introduction, uh, because I think that for as long as I've been around and what I've have accomplished, um, you know, you, there's a lot of things that, um, people are much better at than my, me. I mean, people are really out there promoting and shows and, um, you know, you know, you can be like worldwide known and you have one album, you know, if you can do, if you know how to do it right, yeah, you know, right. and I don't know how good, what that album would be, but, um, and maybe it's great, you know, um, I, it, it's just an area that, um, you know, every single stage I was in, I, I just felt like it wasn't good enough either. I mean, I kind of felt, was, cause it, there's, it's not an, it's not a pop album, but you know, it's more developmental stuff. So it's always developing. It's kind of like the diary that never has an end to it, you know, but, and then finally I just had to like, just edit, edit all into albums. Um, cause you know, it's just been processed the whole time. Um, I just feel like I, I have so much to say about the whole, there's so many aspects, you know, from tech technologically, to life to you know so many things that have happened i have not given many interviews about um so i really appreciate your <laughs> taking the time to interview well thank you yeah. yeah well thank you for coming i really appreciate it um so tell me a little bit more about you know some of the things that you've some of the projects you've, you've worked on that have been very important to you um, well, obviously there's the essential, um, albums, which is on the memoir of sound.com. Um, again, there are, there are all the different phases, um, and, and they kind of, they can correlate to my diaries. I mean, once they're published and you can read about the section in the eighties, you know, where my music came from, you see, you can understand where, you know, whatever my dilemmas were at the time and where, how, how I worked it out. And, um, I think it's really interesting. They're really kind of correlated. I mean, because at the time in the 80s, I was going to college, and then um, so many experiments came out of that. Um, and I think just music was my, my social life. I mean, in art school, I didn't really... I don't think I had too many friends in art school. They were all music people out of our art school. Um, and, um, you know, developed um, out of, like, different bands. And, there's again, there are a lot of phases... Um, and, you know, I've, I've been in, in a couple, um, uh, sort of collective, um, situations where, you know, a lot of people, um, would get together and, and put their parts into a, a, a band or whatever, into a, into a, a project. And, um, I think the last group I was in, um, it was back in, 
it ended at like 91 or something. It was like a really long time ago, but, um, but that was with rhythm and noise. And that was like an industrial outfit way out in, um, called the compound, um, out in the outskirts of San Francisco. And, um, it was housed in a, um, this kind of this warehouse and they had like a sound traffic control tower in it, housing a synclavier. And I was kind of given a lot of leeway in terms of just composing there. I would go there like um, 10 at night, you know, not human would pick me up at 10 at night. and I would, You know not human? Everybody knows not human. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't know not human now? <laughs> okay. Do you know not human? I've met him. <laughs> okay. I haven't seen him since maybe 2003. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think he's, he's kind of... Um, nomading around right these days and he doesn't have a place he has no certain place now yeah. so, I remember I think I was at his last studio in 2003 oh okay yeah, oh, which wow. was off of I think it was off of uh Folsom or Bryant. Okay. Can't I can't quite remember. Yeah, we I mean I left Rhythm and Noise in 91 or something like that. And um so you know working with the Synclavier was a really big uh step for in terms of understanding um the digital realm and um, sampling um, and it was just like a real high quality instrument obviously um, and um, I think from there I mean I the, you know composing I, I did that all I did was compose rhythms and um, for you know 12 hours you know a couple times a week or something that was just his, his realm and our the live thing was like I think it was such a gigantic um outfit because you know we had a um, guy that played tesla coil and um, six drummers and then i don't know they would transport the audience in buses and blindfold them and it's just like all kinds of weird theatrical stuff and at the time we we're trying to get a record album yeah. <laughs> i mean who's gonna sign that you know you know you'd have to carry you know what how, how many tons of stuff yeah traveling if you're gonna play anywhere else but um <clears throat> anyway there's some you know of course some ob obvious like most bands there's politics and you know weird stuff so um yeah. i know i just left that and then um that was very transformative i think for me um and it was just really interesting and then so um and then i created um transfiguration um which was um has an 80 page book and I've, I've collected like actual dreams I've had. Um, that's something I explored. Um, and I think there's like over a hundred dreams and, um, that's, that's in the book that comes with transfiguration. Although some people just get like the download. They don't really know there's a whole book that goes with it. Yeah. Um, so that was, um, another, also another phase. Um, but the, the biggest period that had, in effect was probably like, you know, in the eighties. And I think that's why so many people want to sort of pull me out of the woodwork and, um, reinvestigate what this was because, um, I had so much freedom. I mean, I, it was art school, but I also had access to this big building that, um, I, I don't know, my, my rel relatives were managing at the time. And, um, I had access like right out my door, there was, um, this big um, uh, uh, acting theater <clears throat> where I used to take my gear and get the reverbs from just the the room. Oh, cool. 
cool. And I mean, it's one of those spaces where you can, you know, ride your bike around. I mean, it's, it was really amazing. Wow. Um, but again, that was very isolating because I was like the only tenant. <laughs> <laughs> and um, space. there was one point there where I was the only tenant. And I mean, I think there was like a commercial nail salon or something like a photo studio or whatever. That's those were my neighbors. And um, or it was very, you know, commercial area. I never really had roommates. So, um, you know, I was just, again, in this vacuum, no matter what. So I'm always in this vacuum. So like in, you know, at my parents' house, I developed charred blossoms in the living room, which I don't know why they didn't just throw everything away because it's all everywhere. Um, but then, and then again, you know, and the ladies had that, that building near my art school. My art school is across the street. So I could just go there five minutes before class. That's <laughs> you know? nice. I know. And um, so, you know, then there's that. And then, um, you know, there, there's certain periods where I kind of um, didn't know where to really place myself in the, in the music industry. I mean, I was trying to meet people. Um, and, you know, I it was probably the pinnacle of that is I ended up staying in like Trent Reznor's house for a week, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like trying to meet people, cool. um, you know, just, I don't know, networking or whatever. I mean, it was, um, it was just through a friend or whatever and got to see, you know, um, that downward spiral process, and, awesome. you know, and met all those people, you know, so um, the Tate's house, the Tate house. Yeah. yeah. That was, um, it was just interesting. I mean, it wasn't, any you know I don't know I wasn't spooked too much <laughs> you know at night although it, it was like during the uh, LA fires they usually have these LA fires and like at night you can hear like these big um like pine cones cones drop on the roof oh. they sound like big thumps mm -hmm. you know I don't know yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, who knows but um uh, that was, um, you know, it was all, all these special instances. And that's why I'm, I'm just saying these things, they just don't last. Some things don't last and they, they're just at the time. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, the characters, the cast of characters will show up in your life when you need to learn something, you know, or you need to, I, I just believe in that kind of magic. I mean, in terms of like life is a magical thing that, um, I mean, I don't believe in magic, magic, but like, I just right. believe it's magical that um i've encountered certain people and it was just at that time it was the right time um and same with now i think exactly exact, exact same things happening right now you know with the dark entries um box set thing it just came out of the blue but then what spawned out of that was you know this mutech came up um and right after mutech literally um i'm going to be playing two more um i'm offered a mini tour <laughs> um i'll be playing in new york um, uh, May 23rd at Holo. I know this place. I don't know exactly where it is. And then I'm being flown to Detroit. Um, that is that call a place called the L club, L club or something, EL club at, uh, May 26. And, and I'm lining up with, um, Suzanne Ciani and 10 speed guillotine, Todd signs and a couple other people I have to look on the list again, but there's a few people there and I think that's coinciding with the movement festival or something in Detroit. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was just amazing in the last, only in the last uh, few months or whatever, um, that 
the amount of interest is shown. I mean, I just tell people, you know, um, you're 30 years late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what took you guys so long? Because yeah. there's so many times this is it's just I I would have wanted this. I mean, if it was a little earlier, then, um, you know, I could I could do a lot more with. Mm -hmm. um, so luckily, it's, it's better late than never. Um, but still, um, it's it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, they've so many things have come back, you know, like, again, you know, this modular thing. And um, I, I got a quote from Dave Smith recently of, from Sequential for this panel and you know he was mentioning about like how he thinks things have kind of maybe gone back a little bit but you know i we're i think we're just retracing in a way we're just kind of retracing because uh there's too much going on or whatever but again it's something else is going to come out of it that's totally unique um you know, th certain things won't go away, like real instruments, like, like, I mean, um, not real instrument, everything's real instrument, but, um, you know, the traditional instruments, everything's not going away. It's just something new, brand new is going to come out, I think. Um, and I'm hoping, <laughs> well, maybe AI, you know, an aspect of AI, um, I want to explore a little bit more about that. I mean, there's so many different, um, mediums like from the visual realm that's just completely impressive yeah. um yeah it's just really beautiful um uh realities you can create from the digital realm and you know anim an animated ones you know hopefully you know and then there's 3d audio that's kind of been around for a while actually that's trying been trying to get into the industry um and it's 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 had so many attempts and maybe now with VR and AR, um, um, yeah, and, you know, the different R's, <laughs> you know, that, um, you know, they're, it's more accepting. Um, and it's not just gaming, hopefully, and, you know, we can use it um, creatively, and, you know, hopefully we can get it, you know, on kind of in the affordable you know realm that you know you, you can anyone can kind of ch daisy chain things if they wanted just like um just like a little pedal have you experimented with with, the, with 3d audio yeah i've um my album the listener back in 2001 um i was introduced to 3d audio um by a really interesting pioneer um, Chris Carell, he um, actually worked, he was the Sinclair player for Michael Jackson, and he contacted me and, you know, to collaborate or whatever, but I didn't know he had this whole um, development of 3D audio that, um, you know, you have to put headphones on, but, or, or you can do it without, but you have to arrange it a certain way, but... Um, you couldn't tell the difference between like if you had the headphones on and someone knocked on the door across the room, you think it's somebody across the room. Wow. And what he had back then was vertical. Um, you know, you can, again, with the headphones, you know, you say, you know, fireworks or whatever, and it's totally above your head. And he had, he's, he had it. Wow. So I think, I think, you know, technology's kind of almost still catching up to what he has because he's, so anyway, we were, became friends. So, um, I, I used some of, um, that technology in one of my, a couple of my tracks, 
Um, but that it's fascinated me for sure. But, um, and I know that 3D audio has tried to gain some kind of market into, you know, games. Um, and I mean, it seemed to, to have a hard time having a, getting a footing in the music industry because people weren't sure if they wanted to hear a saxophone swirling around your head. And, you know, <laughs> it, it's, you know, <laughs> so people weren't sure, but, you know, but now, you know, there's different things coming out that has that um, aspect where you can place your instruments like an orchestra or whatever. You can place it in different parts of the room or whatever. It still has a way to go to really get it accurate. Um, that, but um, there's aspects of visual you can kind of get away with 3D a little bit easier, but you can, I mean, without wearing the headset, you know. Um, and I saw some really interesting performances at Mutech that really had that. Um, I don't, did you, oh, you didn't get, I, I didn't get a chance to go. Yeah. I mean, there were some that were pretty impressive. And um, if you can get the 3D audio in, involved with that, um, you're a little bit closer. Um, but there still needs to be a lot of understanding, like how it works. Um, again, I mean, my future goal is it's an area that, you, you know, you would have to, get someone like myself who's been studying 20 years and about, you know, knowing how to project free, well, absorb and project frequencies and understanding the frequency aspect of the human, the human side to be able to take those snapshots. I mean, you, you would, I mean, whoever is out there who, you know, knows more about it, just contact me because, you know, I'm, I want to, um, explore that more and, and be the beta tester, you know? Um, yeah. but there's, there's, I mean, we're just still at the phase of putting headsets on. I mean, this is the 90s. That 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 happened in the 90s, really. And then now we're just only beginning to see it commonly um, in terms of VR and stuff. Um, and I know people want to start getting eventually out of the headset thing. Um, maybe um, the augmented thing. I don't know. Um, so, you know, there's still a ways to go. It's definitely still a ways to go. Definitely. Yeah. Do you think that the 3D audio has a, a chance for development in the gaming industry, seeing as that's probably the most uh, commonly developing it, uh, industry? Yeah, it's already term. there. I yeah. mean, that, that's where 3D audio got its its market because um, makes sense. It it tar they targeted the games first because that that's where you put those headsets on or, or whatever. That that's where they they 3D audio was able able to survive. Um, was through games and um, maybe in the theater. I mean, that's a 7.1 or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's, that's different. But um, in terms of the binaural aspect, um, it's, it's already in the games, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's in different places, but in terms of music, um, I think it's kind of still kind of in the development in terms of that, but um, I think I just read about someone who just did a um, binaural synth, like a hybrid synth with a binaural, and I think binaural has a, has a potential as as well um, to to hybrid into all the different um, types of um, instruments, and um, yeah, that that's that's another way. Well, elaborate a little bit more on binaural. Uh, I'm not familiar with it exactly. 
So you're talking about like a binaural uh, synthesizer or something? Um, that's what I, I yeah, like it's, uh, I guess it gives you some more headroom, I guess, like mm -hmm. some more um, dimension, you know, to the sound or something. Um, that's why I think okay. it is. I, and there's probably better explanations, you know, coming from people who are like a lot more techie. But um, my understanding is that, you know, it just gives us more dimension, you know, more accurate you know, you know, being able to, um, instead of a flat, you know, left, right, you've got more dimension. That's what I, I kind of think it's ultimately, you know, the perception is, um, but, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a field I'm really not familiar with. But, yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely an interesting part yeah. of uh, our technology that's developing around us. Yeah, there's a lot of um, new things that you know it just has gives it just takes time for people to discover and in hope it takes off more. Um, even that sense of morph thing, like I was, I think whenever people see it, it's like people just like um, you know are immediately attracted to it and, and everything. But you know, it takes time, like everything else. Um, anything new anyway what other th fascinating thing like any kind of gear that was interesting to you you saw gear. in in the uh, um, synth, synth oh, synthplex you know I was really a lot of modular uh, stuff there. a lot of modular stuff there yeah on the trades floor uh, there's a, you know all kinds of uh, modular companies out there even you know even uh, Moog had a you know set up and and uh who else was there? It was um, can't remember. There's the a lot right of now. people there. There's a lot. There's a lot going on there. Uh, one of the things I really enjoyed actually was uh, Perfect Circuit Audio, the the company, the out in Burbank. They put a setup out, and they had a they had a variety of stuff out there. They had, they had a surge setup, and they even oh, had right. um, they had this table setup, which you may have seen, where it was basically inside this cabinet. They had a uh, like basically a a modular system that's set up to do uh, visual this, uh, mm. projection. So what you what they had set up was a box where it had magnetic strips and on one side it controlled um, like horizontal and on the other side it can it controlled uh, vertical. So you could play around with that and it would have the uh, the perfect circuit audio you know design up there and every time you would touch it it would it would scramble in different different colors okay. and fun stuff oh, like that. Oh, oh yeah, I think yeah. I, there were a lot of colors. Yeah, <laughs> there were a lot yeah. of like things happening, and it, and I think I kind of saw that. I didn't explore it or anything. Was it working? It was. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was okay, yeah. It was really yeah I probably fun. didn't get time to yeah. get into that. And, um, there was some com You know, there's so many companies over there that I some of the, some of them, a lot of them I knew, but there was quite a few I didn't know that were doing all kinds of different things, and some of them were all doing all digital mod modules, and I. Which was fun because a lot of them were do experimenting with different ideas of how to play around with mm -hmm. digital modules and coming up with different concepts with them that I hadn't even thought of myself. Oh sure. So oh no. Not, it's, know, there's it's, so much experimentation going on. Right. Oh yeah. There's sky's the limit now. And, I mean, and I really enjoyed this. Uh, the there's a vintage synth museum little setup. I don't know if you saw it. There was a in like this like kind of the middle building between between the two main I, buildings. I didn't get to that. Okay. There was a, it was a vintage synth museum set up by a couple of rental houses and a couple of guys set mm -hmm. up. So there was all kinds of great stuff. They had a, a Mellotron in there. They had some, they had um, 
they didn't really have any Oberheims in there, but they did have a lot of, you know, a couple of Rollins in there. They had, uh, what was my favorite? They did have a Moog modular setup that was, mm-hmm. you know, a wall of yeah. panels, which was fantastic. Right. And this one guy who knew how to how to work it was would, you know, do uh, demonstrations on it. Okay. And that was, you know, just always fascinating to hear those beautiful, mm. you know, tubes out there. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you been to the vintage? I, I know of it. I've not been there. Yes. It's out in East Bay, right? Right, right. And he, the, um, I guess the owner, he was a... At the um, panel as well that I was in, and he moderated actually. Okay. Um, but he um, anyway, I I wanted to, you know, I think you can rent that place too. You can, yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted to go out there. I just haven't had taken the yeah. time to go check it out. Yeah. Have you been here. Have you been to it yet? I haven't. I have to. You know, they do these sound baths and stuff. I want to check out. That's so cool. Yeah. So, um, and um, yeah, I was um, yeah, it, it's it's. Again, it comes back to this transmission aspect because, you know, these sound baths or whatever things that people kind of need to, in their system to, you know, um, it's, an, it's an energy thing too, you know, you're, you're, where you're encompassed with sound or frequencies or whatever. And um, so I just kind of thought that sounds a little similar to like this the transmission process where, you know, you're, you're cleansing or, or whatever, um, or just enjoying the sound or whatever. I think a lot of, uh, musicians who are into synthesizers, I think a lot of us are very much into the idea of this, of music being therapeutic in a form. Mm. And, and to me personally, it's been very much that, you know, over the, I, I, I kind of, I didn't, I, I took a hiatus from music about for about 10 years and then in late 2016, I got back into it, and I realized what was I, why was I not playing? Because once I got back into it, it was just like a wonderful thing for me to just come into my little studio space and just play with my synthesizers by myself for hours on end. Yeah, I, I, I mean, everybody goes through something where you have to, you know, just, you know, take hiatus or whatever. And um, I, I sort of took one. Um, I had a, had, had a son seven years ago and um the only thing i, I well it's interesting because i i got involved with another sort of this um buddhist <laughs> another buddhist group or whatever collective you know and um they did electronic music and then they actually bought a lot of my gear some of my gear to master all their stuff wow. so then i thought well you know and then they stopped kind of putting things out for a while I'm like well I have all this stuff so then I that's kind of how I started thinking about mastering remastering you know or archiving all my stuff because I was waiting around for other people's stuff and that I had all mine so I that's kind of how I started just might as well put it to use and ended up you know with the the, the hundred album thing um yeah so um but that was my kind of, well, when I had my son, I was like, you know, that, that was the hiatus a little bit for me. Um, and it was really interesting coming out of that and going ahead straight into like performing <laughs> because, um, again, like I had to deprogram myself from what I knew before, because what I knew before with Pro Tools, I could not do it live at all. I mean, there's no, and everyone's been telling me about live Ableton. And, um, and I, I thought I have to do this and it was, I'm glad, you know, I just finally dived in 
Um, and I, I just know that, um, Pro Tools that you just cannot, I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't upgraded too much recently, but, um, I mean, it sounds great, but it just can't do all, any of the things <laughs> almost that a lot of other programs can do anyway, yeah. from what I was been doing with lately, um, you know, plugging, having to trigger drum machines with the sequence with this, and have the sensor morph um, change sounds per um, song with different samples and, ha you know, have it instantly do it. Um, and there's, I mean, there were so many little things that in time stretching stuff from, you know, maybe I have like a rhythm track from the 80s that um, ha just does, it had its own time. You had to lock it in. Um, and then kind of t retuning stuff and I mean there's a I mean I, I don't know there's so much to do you know with the, with Ableton stuff but anyway um jumping back into like the hiatus thing um it's interesting when um you know I actually had my recorder when I gave birth <laughs> I had it on the table because I knew I wanted to record that first cry and that was amazing because, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I've been recording everything. Might as well. So, um, and I got, and I got it. And um, it's pretty amazing. And um, some years later, though, he, um, you know, he was uh, actually diagnosed with um, autism. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is that he's one of those rare 10% where um, he's also a savant. I don't know if you know that word. Yes. Some people don't know that word, but um, it's just where you, um, I don't know, child or adult or whatever, but they, um, it's kind of the, the rain man syndrome where um, they know how to do stuff that there's no, there's no way anyone can, can not no way, but like most people can't do. Um, and, you know, by the eight, I think right now he's seven and he's memorized, uh, right now up to about 300 pi numbers wow. but he's going to be 400 in the next year so it's going to keep going but um and then he could tell you the day of the week of your birthday like if you told him your birthday he'll just tell you what day it is um and then he's memorized like wow. you know the million billion centillion whatever all the way up to 900 millions and the the names of them and and it's just a memory thing he like really into this memory thing so that's kind of how i um, started getting, I, it was nece necessitated for me to understand neuroscience. Um, and a neuroscience scientist studied him, um, yeah, I guess when he was six in San Diego, it's like the, um, uh, center for brain, uh, cognition center or something in San Diego. Anyway, this guy, um, Dr. Ramachandran, he was the, uh, I guess Time Magazine's most influential people, whatever, in 2011. But anyway, he studied my son. He was doing a savant study. Um, and so I got sort of tapped into that realm about neuroscience. So, um, and then I started, and then I discovered the, um, the brain mapping. That mm -hmm. That's sort of how that came, how the idea of that. And then I discovered the sensor technology. I'm like, sensor this. <laughs> and then brain mapping and I put it all together just like I put 
you know, cha daisy chain, <laughs> daisy chain science, and then get um, coming out with a new idea. Um, so a lot of times, like stuff that you don't you don't plan to um, invent or whatever, they they come out of you know necessity sometimes, um, and and because of you know the uh, the the search for it's not you can't cure you know certain kinds of conditions, but in a search you know for answers or whatever you you just start dreaming up. What what if you can do this? Well, you you, you know it, so it just starts with that. Like, um, uh, you know, when you want something to, you really want something. You're gonna just you're gonna make it happen. So, um, anyway, so then um, I, um, kind of propelled you know my brain development, <laughs> I guess to, um, to realize that. Um, you know, if I start thinking of all these things that are happening to me now, um, and as I said that, you know, these cast of characters come up when they're supposed to. So I've got my son who's a savant. I've got these, this phase of um, musical technology that's just changing and developing so fast. And I've got, you know, all these other aspects um, of my music and, you know, something is morphing into something. And so, um, and I think it's kind of like a time where, um, people are a lot more open to whatever you want to invent. So, um, you know, I think I, I, you know, I have to be really aware of what's happening now uh, versus before. I think I was kind of, um, I fell into the times and it, and I evolved with it, but I think now I have to put more of a conscious thing, um, especially I, I'm, um, interested in AI and, you know, I want to understand how to, um, you know, if there's a way to build an app for, you know, the stuff that my son needs or whatever. Um, ultimately, you know, with uh, kids or people with autism, they just, it's hard for them to make friends. Yeah. Um, so they, I, I want to, yeah. you know, right now he's taking a coding class and, uh, I think they're using Python and, um, I'm already saying, well, um, can I, I ultimately would want, um, him to develop his own program where, you know, I guess, I, I don't know if you have to input, um, you know, random things that, you know, the computer would say back to him or whatever, but ultimately, you know, if, um, you can create a, a program where it can be like your, friend you know your computer friend you know if you can't really make friends because you're you're medically not able to <laughs> you know that you know because you know, autis autistic people they love computers I mean the, the, you know they say that a part of the Silicon Valley you know are people are on the spectrum I would yeah. be surprised <laughs> um, one of my best friends from high school he's currently working on his doctorate at uh, UC Berkeley in botany and he's uh, he's considered a high functioning autist. Oh wow! And he's he's got Asperger's. Oh wow! Yeah. And you know it's really fascinating for me because you know we've known each other for so long now, and I just had lunch with him last week, and you know he's doing great, and he actually just got uh, a GSA award for uh, doing a biology class Amazing. last semester, for wow. him, which was fascinating. It was fantastic for him. Right. And it's great to see him 
from when I knew him in high school to today of how he's developed and how he's very able to how he's able to function so well and even and even he told me that you know just the other day that he said that it's rare for him to you know we went out and had had lunch downtown Berkeley off of Ashby or Shattuck or something like that around there and um, he we were he was telling me it's rare for him to come out he's like you know he's like he's saying I'm at he's I'm at school and then I'm <laughs> at, I'm at the he's at he's now living in a uh, communal home for oh, uh, yeah. for grad students oh, at yeah. UC Berkeley yeah. But, you know, and, and he's still doing great. You know, it's, it's it's fascinating because he took a, so I think back in maybe, I don't, I think it was maybe junior college, he took an acting class. And his, and the professor actually pointed out to the, the rest of the class, he said, this guy here, he's autistic and he doesn't, and he doesn't understand emotions like we all do. So for him to be able to interact with us, He's acting all the time. Oh, yeah. Wow. And like it, it was such an interesting perspective to me to think that my my good friend is he's acting he's acting all the time <laughs> to understand emotions because he doesn't understand emotions like 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 you know like uh, as the majority do. Well, there's also a um, it's a spectrum, so um, it's kind of this. I don't want to say stereotype that you know they're they don't have they don't understand. Well, it's it's more of the social cues. I think so too. Um, because my son's very emotional. He know he really knows like if I'm upset or 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 I'm happy about something or whatever. Um, and he's very emotional. Um, and again, he's high functioning. So, but there's definitely people who are like kids or whatever, just looking at spinning wheels on a on a truck. I mean, there's different levels but um i think if they're functioning enough to be in college i mean that's um i mean it's all great i mean it's a lot different levels but um i mean what do you find is it is it easy to have a conversation or is it um is it because or is he just talking about his thing all the time his own interest he, he, he's mostly talking about the things he likes <laughs> but you know I, yeah. I but you know he and i like to talk about godzilla movies so it's pretty good okay oh that's cool <laughs> But yeah. He actually, and he did take. Uh, he took me and my girlfriend over to uh, UC Berkeley last year, and he showed us the archives of all the botany um, wow. archives down there, which is fascinating because oh, yeah. he was showing us samples of plants from over a hundred years ago. Oh wow! It oh pretty, man! Yeah, it's really cool. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! When they get into one thing, it's they know everything about it. Like yeah. right recently, like every year, there's some kind of ex new explosion that happens. Um, I think the first um, when he was. F my son was five. Conrad, he, um, he, he could tell you the age differences of people. So, um, meaning like at his birthday, if he, oh no, if he was a certain age, and then his dad or something was a different, like a, you know, if he was a dad was five thousand something years old, how old would he be? And he would just tell you, and it'd be right. Um, and he never had exposure to math to be able to do that. That's the weird wow. thing. There was no exposure at age five. I mean, I, I concentrated on communication because I thought, you know, with autism, he was diagnosed at three. So I thought I was I'll pour everything into the social stuff. But I didn't know he had this math side. I didn't know he had this. Well, he's not really a great problem solver, but he's he's it's all memorization stuff. But I don't know how he does it. And then um, there's a, this other guy that was uh, that I started to study. This name is Daniel Tammet. And uh, he was um, he's the one of the most known savants um and he he can describe what it's like and he says that he visually sees the numbers and he's memorized over i've, I've heard that yeah 
so he I think at some point he's memorized over like over 20,000 pi numbers in a week or something like that um yeah and he would just and he can tell you like something really fast and there's no explanation how you could do it he just sees it he sees them he sees like every number like a shape or it would remind them like of like a something so um so i mean i, w I would ask my son like how, how does he do it or what do you see or do you see this or that but um he just he just says he he just knows it but i, I don't know if he, he might be too young to explain but um eventually i just kind of curious uh um it could also just be physiology physiology you know where there might be just a, another aspect of the brain that's added on just like mm -hmm. art you know art you, you you already know how to paint you don't have to be trained or anything yeah. you just kind of know um and then you know same with music you just have this intuition and i i think that sometimes i think people who can do art or music or have some kind of other thing other than your normal <laughs> i don't know how to explain you have your whatever talents you know i think it's almost like a different an added organ you know like you just have an extra thing and and i know through when i was at san diego uh, talking to dr ramachandra and he was saying that um uh and i think one of the scientists walked into the room and i forgot his name but he walked out but he said that that was the guy who um, was able to um, uh, determine what area of the brain had math. Like there's different areas that you can pinpoint where things happen. And, and there is an area for math or something. Yeah. So I figure there, there must be, you know, for other things. So, um, but I think it is something that's like an extra thing that you, you, you are born with just like um, the ability to be, uh, savant I mean, you can't help but be born you know autistic or whatever um mm -hmm. or he could just be an advanced new per kind of breed of human beings because right now what is it like one out of 68 or something or more or, or less or whatever you know of people diagnosed now wow. so i think um it's a shift in human evolution and it's also a perhaps the human species has to advance somehow or it's always been evolving uh i mean it's we're evolving but obviously we're extending our evolvement through technology and different things um, but we ourselves are probably due to evolve you know our um i mean from especially with all this, um, you know, heightened tech technologically, you know, advanced, um, capability that we have, um, we need, we need to adjust. And so maybe, you know, there's new, um, kinds of human beings that are born and, but, but it hasn't perfected. In fact, it's been, it, it kind of has a hand, it's kind of a disability, there's a disability aspect where they can't do something, but, but they're advanced and other stuff like, like we we're morphing, uh, you know, but, but it's like, we, you know, God or <laughs> hasn't had, the ex hasn't perfected the experiment. <laughs> or maybe it's the, it is the evolution of, of humanity, but the majority of, of, uh, 
of our culture doesn't understand that yet. True. To, yeah, I mean, it could be anything. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it could. Yeah, we've evolved, but it doesn't exactly because, um, or it's you know with autistics, you know they're, you know we say they're compromised, but maybe actually they're actually advanced, and we, we're just not like you were saying. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't recognize it. It's very true. I mean, it's very true that um, uh, <clears throat> I'm a, a big advocate of um, savants um, because it's an unrecognized uh, area that um, it's often found in autistics, yeah. you know, and I don't see any kind of program out there that is supporting it at all. But I, everyone I talk to that has um, known or has a son or daughter um, who ha- is autistic, they're like, oh yeah, my, you know, oh yeah, um, you know, my son, you know, can memorize, you know, all, all these different things and, um, know every single thing about whatever botany or whatever they, they're really heightened in, in their abilities um the latest one this year my son he's he's is mapping he likes to um he, st- I, he studies um he 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 discovered on um, MapQuest oh or google maps okay. the google map thing and so he spends he spent days and days and days on that and like he he likes to memorize where every exit and, <laughs> you know, where, um, and especially around the area, he's showed me all the shortcuts to different things wow. that I didn't know how to get there. Um, and then, and then he'll, he'll sound off with the same voice, like in 500 feet, <laughs> start doing that. <laughs> hey, though, that same voice too. <laughs> It's kind of funny. That's pretty adorable. <laughs> I know. So he would draw these maps of the area, and um, and then and then I looked, I googled on you know online those you know the definition of savants, and sure enough, it says mapping on as one of them. So I, I think he's classic. He's got the classic stuff, and I don't know what's going to happen next year. Um, I do know that. Uh, I mean, every morning before he goes to school, I try to. Um, uh, continue his expand it because um how i see it is that you know i this is kind of sound weird i don't want the school to 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 ruin him (laughs) i mean i mean because you know um it's just he's in public school so you know there's um there's only so much they can do. There's only so much thing. And, yeah. and, and, so are you, you like know. testing him at home or something like that? I'm. I'm. There's a couple things every morning we we work on. It's it's the pie to make sure you know, and he likes to do it anyway. It's not. It's he, that's just what he and it's he. They always need routines, you know. So it's like that's something to do before you know, and and also like the, the best time to do anything for the brain is the morning because, um, you know that's that's just for some reason that you're more able to absorb stuff you know just like when you're the best time to develop the brain is when when people are like in you know 10 and under or whatever either adolescents and younger meaning like from one to 10 you know that that they're the most they're they're developing their brains are the best for absorbing you know information Mm -hmm. stuff so but but to keep it alive and to keep alert um, you know, is to throw something really hard to do in the morning. So I would, I would keep expanding that. Um, so, um, and so mainly it's that, and then I test to make sure he, um, still can get people's, if we know we have a calendar out and I, and I just ask him, um, 
you know, um, July 20. And he would say, Wednesday or Thursday, like, you know, and then I would, mar I would write down every single thing he, you know, he says. So I have a record of, you know, I could chart it if he wants, like how many times he was right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I do this whole analysis thing. So it's just kind of fun for fun for, for me. Yeah. And it's interesting when I was in San Diego, um, they, they asked me if I wanted to meet another person like him. Um, and so I met another savant child and he was eight years old. Um, and, and they were studying him for telepathy and he was, uh, and he was studying physics in, um, college. Wow. Yeah. So, but I think he was, um, this guy named Ramses, but he's, um, uh, they're all really special and remarkable, but, um, and to be tested for that and have it correct is pretty interesting mm -hmm. because then, you know, there's a way more than we even think that we're capable and um, that's why it's not, um, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm, at, I'm just at a different trajectory, perhaps, and so I'm always at this phase of doing everything in a vacuum again. It's just like this, this thing that I'm always going to have, and I'm always going to do things that are not like, you know, in, in, at the times. I, I think it's just going to always be. Um, but I... I, I I think this is a great stage right now anyway. Um, but I have to be, and I'm a lot more conscious of it now, so that, which is good. Um, so um, I was curious yeah. about how is your, how has motherhood uh, come into play into your music and your art? That's a great question. Um, and that's the, you know, I've, I've always, again, have, I've always done written diaries about everything that I've done and, you know, everything is an artist and everything. But when, um, my son Conrad was born, I, then everything started becoming about him. <laughs> so everything's like all the notes and things. That, so everything, um, that has been written the last seven years, almost all about him. But, um, I already knew that, um, first of all, I mean, the whole aspect of, about, I mean, this is common, but, and I know, um, I, I just, I, I was really fascinated and still am in awe about how to create a human being from scratch. I mean, as an artist or whatever, but then having to create human life from nothing. And, and I was always wondering how that, how does, how does that, how does, I mean, I know how it works, but like, you know you know, from a whole, uh, like from cell, the cellular thing to like, and then shaping into like a human being, like you created a human being is like the weirdest thing for me. Like it's still like every time I look at my son, I, I think that's just amazing. That's a whole nother being that, you know, I don't know. I still am endlessly fascinated by what life can do on its own, you know? And, um, so, uh, I, eventually wanted to create an album um a, kind of a, about that you know and um you know include my recordings um and um it's 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 a really fascinating thing so um how it affects my music though um you know it's kind of um Again, it'll probably be another thing that displays um, how things develop, you know, and, and just 
you know, a song, you know, perhaps about um, the womb. And, um, and, and actually, I was writing music knowing this while I was pregnant. And, and so I want to write music that while, while I was in that state, you know, what the, you know, I was interested in like these states of minds or whatever. And so, um, uh, I wanted to create like, um, the different phases. So one of them already, I've already done. Um, and then, um, and then there's a whole aspect of the savant too. I mean, there's a whole aspect of like, um, um, how, um, memory comes into play as well. And, and actually it's funny enough, and I, this may be part of his strange, <laughs> I don't want to call it strange, but you know, he, he in uniqueness. Um, I mean, right now he's, he insists that he was born in 1981 <laughs> and he, and he describes all of it, all the different things as, you know, who he married and <laughs> he describes all this stuff. And there's been people, um, who kind of said, well, you know, he's actually like talking about his past life. <laughs> like a reincarnation. And then, because how does, where's this come from? Because the yeah. fact is he was never exposed to math when he was doing that. So where did that come from? So there's all this weird layers of like, is it, is that, I mean, and it's so detailed that you start to believe it. I mean, even though like an outside person might think, you know, like it's kind of some jargon, you know, from just he's imagining stuff or whatever. But, um, cause he would say stuff like, you know, on, on, it, you know, and that was before I met you, <laughs> it was, you know, that was 1994 and that was before I met you. <laughs> I know. Um, so that's not, you know, to me, it's, it's, uh, interesting cause I've had, uh, two, I've had two friends who told me after the hit the age of 40, they both had an experience like that where they had a dream that was so realistic that they literally believed that it was memories from a past life. And and they and they one hundred percent believe it, and you know I have no reason to doubt it. So that could be that could be something with your son. Um, that's, that's, it's so fascinating. I'm not sure. I don't. I mean, to my per personal take is that I, for myself is that you know I never um, got into the whole past life thing because I just don't know. Um, I mean I'm and there's even a question you know do you know is there a God? I mean there's all kinds of questions, but I, I mean, nobody knows, but, um, but then, you know, things kind of test me, I guess. And that's one of them, <laughs> you know, whether, you know, do I correct it or, you know, should I, cause if it's true, um, I don't want to say anything, but if it's not true, I don't want to, I mean, I just don't want to suppress like maybe that's his creativity. I don't know. I, no one knows, but he's so detailed about it, and he's always talking about it. That's one of his main things he talks about. So I don't know what that. And what he re that is. and he recalls like the same, uh, the same memories. Yeah, over, it's over always over. the same. Yeah, it's always the same. And um, and he, he would talk about different cities he's been to, and um, and um, and, and I, I wonder if did he find it online, and did he go, you know, all that stuff, um. And, um, but anyway, I, I did take him to a past life specialist because <laughs> I just had to, because okay. I mean, I knew, you know, people, you know, 
from my meditation, you know, classes, you know, I know you know people, but, um, so I, you know, <laughs> into that realm. Um, and anyway, so I brought him over and he, he, I brought Conrad over there and, and he, you know, I videotaped it and everything. And, and, you know, he went, he really went off and, um, talked about all the past life stuff. And, um, anyway, you know, the specialist said that, um, you know, that she thinks he's just a natural medium and, you know, of course coming from her, she'll, you know, she may, you know, from her perspective or whatever, but, you know, they kind of think that he, they're, um, he doesn't know he died. <laughs> Interesting perspective. <laughs> he doesn't know he died. So he's always talking about, or, you know, maybe it led up to a certain point when he was 35 um, or something and it stopped and he didn't know when that's, but he's still talking about those memories. So I don't know. And, but then, you know, other people might, you know, and I don't know if it's really 1981, but, um, you know, um, because where does this, the math, the memory math thing, maybe his memory is so strong. He, he remembers all the way to the past life thing because his memories is what his special skills are. I mean, yeah. it, it's so profound that maybe it's so deep because he remembers, I, I swear, <laughs> um, when he was six months years old, he dropped a Cheerios on, on the stairway and he, 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 he told me about that later that about the Cheerios and that he, that, um, we were at the stairwell at some point. He's like, that's where the Cheerios, like he, he knew he remembers at six Cheer months. Yeah. He remembers that. Oh yeah. That's fascinating. <laughs> he remembers stuff that when he was like a baby, that there's no way, you know? So that's why I think that it's so acute that his memory is so acute that it probably, there's a channel there that's tapping into something, but, and I don't want to stop it. Cause I, if it's true, I don't want to suppress it. Yeah. 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 I don't want to stifle whatever it is, yeah. but then he's going to tell people that, he, um, he's 35 years old. <laughs> he's seven. Wow. <laughs> so I know, I don't know what to do. an old soul. I know. I don't know what to, I, I, I'm, I'm back and forth about it. I don't know. I don't know what to do about it, but um, again, you know, if I stifle that, does, does the other stuff stifle? So I'm, I, I don't want to touch it. Um, but what I can do is, you know, give them all the best, uh, possible supports and whatever. I mean, from like swimming class, swimming classes, coding mm -hmm. school, piano lessons, and he actually can write notation. I mean, he's been writing notation for a year now. Nice. He's got, um, that's another thing we do in the mornings that yeah. you just write some notation, um, so, so, you know, he's multifaceted and just, just to get some form and structure, you know, and then, um, when there's, when it's unstructured times, that's when all the other stuff comes out and he, he'll go on and on and on, like run on for pages and pages about different, you know, his, um, you know, exact, the times and dates, speaking of times and dates of, um, certain events that happened and, um, you know, even earlier than 1981. <laughs> so that's an interesting, that's an interesting correlation. I just, I, I just kind of, you just, you just piece together from um, how you were always, you know, from a young age, you were, you know, writing in diaries, and, and even your all your music was 
dated. Yeah, I know the date and time. Yeah, <laughs> he's that. He has that too. Wow. Yeah, and naturally, I didn't. I didn't teach him to do date and times, but he, um, um, and and he, and yeah, his memory is so profound, um, that he'll remember, um, stuff that I, the days of of a date or something like say, um, like he loves like the Tilden Park steam trains. I mean, that's his big gigantic thing that's a kind of a secret a lot of people don't know about there's there's these steam trains in the berkeley hills um and um and i i videotaped literally like just every week i i I had some point i had to bring because he had to go to those so i would videotape every single week and he knows every single date and exactly what you know what happened in all those times like for like a couple years and and uh, if he's missing just one of them December 20, you know, um, 2012, it's missing. It's when he, it's the same route. <laughs> it's the same route. And he's like, it's, I'm missing it. And he would go crazy because he's missing the one video of the one, you know, ride. <laughs> and, um, but um, anyway, so there was, you know, there would be times where um, maybe somebody said something to him that day or whatever and he and he would remember what day that was that that stranger said something you know so it's 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 pretty profound I mean I you know if I ever forget anything I can rely on him <laughs> to remember <laughs> something or if I get lost he'll he'll know he'll know the direction he'll, he'll know, know the, the he'll know the direction he'll <laughs> probably know the shortcuts I know and then you know I'm going to Asia this summer so I'm gonna have him memorize you know the map <laughs> nice so, um, so, you know, it comes in kind of useful or whatever, but then there's the other side, you know, it has to be, you know, a certain way and it's, you know, the, the, that's just the nature of that condition, um, that it's very, kind of get, gets very rigid too. And it has to be a certain thing and, and it's, it's very classic. Um, so, you know, I've obviously been re- really absorbed in that in the last seven years or, or so. And, and I'm actually um, raising him myself. So, um, you know, that's my style. <laughs> I guess that's okay. how I do it. All right. um, and you're still able to, you know, produce music and do shows. It, I haven't slept a whole, you know, eight hours for seven years. I mean, it's been, you know, it's very choppy. It's been very choppy and a lot of um, coffee in between. So um, I, I try to... I'll a cup too if you need some, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Probably, but, but, uh, so I, um, it's been, uh, very, you know, I've always been, uh, self, you know, driven or, you know, if I, I, I don't know the, the words can't do, <laughs> you know, so I, yeah. I, you know, I'm always, I have, it's just like, you have to do it. So, um, and I, I, you know, it's a half and half kind of moments now where, you know, say he's in school now and I get the time to do certain thing, you know, it's kind of one of those things. I'm sure a lot of people have that too, because they have to work, you know, all full things and, you know, and they have to come back. And so, um, you know, whenever kids come into play, everything gets chopped in half. And I mean, I remember somebody telling me a long time ago that, you know, if you ever have kids say goodbye to your art, I always remember that and and because of that it's never they they've just become integrated because you know I 
I, I won't let that win me, <laughs> you yeah. know, somebody's little statement there, but, um, so one way or another, it gets out, it's, it's gets something that's done. So, you know, if I've disappeared for seven years, I come back with a hundred albums, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, and part of that too, like I felt a little intimidated by the, the state of the industry, you know, that no matter what you do, you won't get noticed. I mean, no matter what, I mean, even a hundred albums probably still don't even get, you know, get noted. So I, I just kind of, I don't know, maybe it's that another, that's something I never grew out of, you know, the perspective, like, you know, nobody's going to hear this. So, um, and so then maybe I don't care. So, so then I get stuff done. <laughs> and then if, and you know, there's, uh, it's really great when, you know, people, I, I've had really great feedback you know, especially after a show and that, you know, and stuff and, or, um, or people contact me and they really like my work or whatever. I mean, I, I do really appreciate it more than they think because, um, you know, the, cause of so many years that I've, um, put into this or whatever, um, um, it's not for, you know, for a hit or whatever. I, I, I try, that was a phase at one point too, you know, trying to do a hit or something. And that that's what Transfiguration kind of was. There's certain songs in there that sound like, um, that, that have a structure. And, you know, one thing I did learn from Nile Rogers, you know, when he listened to my demo, I went over his apartment in New York and he was very um, gracious to be, to, you know, do that, you know. And, you know, <clears throat> he gave me kind of, sort of like, the secrets of the hit, you know, like what makes a hit, you know, but, um, and so he, you know, he basically focuses everything on the vocals. Um, and so that Transfiguration was, you know, my Cyrenai album Transfiguration was, um, kind of, um, taking that information and it's probably the one few albums that my vocals is pretty upfront. You know, it's probably the only, almost the only one. Um, I should get probably get more into that again um, in terms of utilizing my vocals. Um, and just to go back again, I forgot to describe, you know, or it to inform, uh, you know, what Sarah and I was, you know. Yes, and, I'm very curious. Yeah, because that was kind of, I jumped out out, out of that <laughs> uh, and just other things. But um, uh, so... Basically, Cyrenai, C-Y-R-N-A-I, um, is kind of like editing my name, Carolyn. So it's using some some of the letters in my name. Of course, I added the I or whatever. And um, it was during art school, um, and I was just playing around with the letters and stuff. Um, but it actually gave me a, this platform, you know, just like a stage name or whatever, and um, where um, it... It just like everything else, like, you know, I, it's just, it doesn't belong to me. Like, it, I mean, it does belong, it's mine, but it's, it's a separate thing from, um, it, it's kind of my diary, you know, like you, you just tell it everything. It's always there for you. And, and, you know, you can give it all your problems or you can, you know, give it all your solutions or whatever. And it's a, a name that like you can, um, um, it, it was kind of symbolized the subconscious, 
you know, the art side, it was the subconscious, whereas Carolyn Falk is the conscious and the um, more, uh, it's a different, like, you know, family personality, maybe. <laughs> and then, and the Sarah and I was just like, purely like, it's more raw, raw form. I mean, it could be all the subconscious, the dreams, um, and experiments and, um, the, you know, the hard edge stuff, or, you know, it's, it's just like this, um, other side that like, um, you know, I, I actually come from a really conservative family. So maybe it, it kind of is a way to hide, you know, all the, the stuff I have, you know, all the, um, the, the dark side or the, um, all the questions about questions and philosophies about life, you know, the, there's just so many, you know, aspects of, um, the Carolyn Falk life that I, I couldn't really use. Um, because I partially, as I said, I just have this, you know, um, bankers and investment managers, and you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, I do have that, you know, that, that kind of weird split and it, then it's very different, like a very different split. Um, and, um, and I, at some point I actually put, I actually was going to close the whole Serenai thing. I mean, some years ago I was just, I went that part of my meditation practices was, you know, to probably to, um, purify all that, the dark stuff that I had. I mean, I was, has had depression in my twenties and I had like fighting that, that stuff for years actually. And I had these nightmare dreams and, and I, I, it was really overwhelming stuff. Um, and, and that's partially why I live was in this vacuum too, because, um, it, it was, uh, you keep stuff to yourself and, and that's just, that's where Sarah and I had all that, you know, it, it was this, it's, um, um, it's, it's a whole realm, you know, that, um, it, Sarah and I belonged, everything belonged to it. And I would write all my really strange writings and, you know, you know, whatever, like my demons and my battles and everything, um, would go into my diaries, which I haven't published yet. Um, and you probably read, read stuff about, you know, the relationship stuff and, or whatever, all the struggles that really came, went into Sarah and I. So at a certain point, I think it was like 2003 or something, I started, um, kind of, uh, going into the studies, the meditation practices and stuff and purified all the negativities and, and, um, just really that really the heavy stuff so um but then Sarah and I came back <laughs> like everybody didn't wanted that so <laughs> what do I do so um you know it's funny because I I've evolved the purifications enough to the point where it doesn't matter anymore that's where you know it doesn't affect you because you don't care about it mm -hmm. it only affects you if it gets you if it gets under your skin that's when it still matters you know it's like if you had a you know, you didn't like someone or whatever, and they're always on your mind, it's bugging you all the time. You know, you can, you know, it's over when you don't care, you know, that like, it's interesting now. It's not like something that's like a thorn or anything. So that's one of the indications that I could probably return Sarah and I without it 
affecting me in any way in terms of it being negative. In fact, I can now evolve it, Sarah and I, into hybrid it, that emergence with more advanced, the more advanced stuff that I've learned in the Carolyn Falk realm, <laughs> you know, in the, um, uh, I know how to manage it. It's like energy management. I know how to, um, uh, you know, get whatever demons to back off or whatever, you know, I, I, it's not even there anymore. Like I don't get depressed anymore at all. Like I got rid of it, um, some years ago, like I don't wake up with it. <laughs> and so, um, now I can really focus on, um, you know, the contributing, you know, to, to society in a much more productive, you know, and healthy manner, but at the same time still bring to make the dark side still meaningful because people still need it. I mean, still need to evolve through it, but still have it, but make it kind of, um, kind of more, um, kind of kind of cool like you can you can dark can can still be kind of cool but um it's just not something that's going to drag you down i mean it can be depressing still but it's not going to kill me you know it's not going to hurt me anymore but um but but it's also an example of what you can do to get through stuff like you can create out you know create through you know maybe serenite is kind of coming back to give an example of what it's like to kind of like be okay with like expressing it um, through an art or whatever. I mean, just at the time, um, I probably didn't have it tamed, but it, you know, I was in it's in in some ways people have called it um, um, unencumbered. Like it's just something refreshing about it that it's not encumbered by anything because it's um, it's it's free to express, and I think that's probably why like it's um it you know people find it intriguing again but in but again you know people are kind of studying stuff back in the 80s anyway i mean like 80s have come back and um and and, and i guess i got swept up in that but um and there's a lot of people doing something similar now like the sound or the kind of experimenting i was doing i'm hearing like currently um so in a way, um, it was my projection back then. Um, and one of my funny little quirky st statements um, at my Mutech panel was that um, eventually, if there was no time limit, um, and if somebody eventually um, invented that uh, sensor technology, uh, so, some way to tap into the frequencies that you had prior, whatever, um, you know, and that the, the ability to recall, you know, the d digital recall, you know, was my stuff recalled from the eighties? Cause yeah. Cause was that a recall from the future, somebody way in the future that, that signaled it somehow, but I don't know. That's just, it was a past life. I mean, the going into the past life thing again, but, um, so it's interesting about time because, uh, you know, why it's such a mass, you know, thing right now to need to retrace and recall, um, things. Um, but, um, at the same time, um, we're technologically capable 
you know, of, um, I think, I think there's some, something really brand new that's going to happen. I hope, you know, that's, um, you know, that, you know, solves some of the issues and why, you know, why we have to go back and solve some issue, you know, in terms of like, maybe we should have had digital technology hybriding with modular. Now, now we'll do it now. Um, and then move forward, you know, that maybe there's, um, as I'm speaking, I'm looking at your turntable. <laughs> uh, let's see. That's a very pretty record in there yeah, right now. Yeah, it's a nice, nice, nice turntable you have. Thanks. Um, but and yeah, that's so funny. I, I, I just have this uh, pseudo turntable right now. I, you know, but I don't, I don't play anything on it because I don't want to ruin the record. <laughs> just <laughs> the needle. <laughs> right. You know, but um, so I and I understand you're doing some module you're putting together some modulars yourself yeah um i i put it my first album out back in march and you know that was a feat because i basically spent like two years in my little studio here writing music and you know putting maybe like a minute snippet here and there on like instagram and that's about it mm. and then i realized i've got like three albums sitting on a hard drive what should i do with it so i eventually you know took the time in december actually to decide what tracks I want to put together. I put out an, and I put together six tracks for an EP and finally and got that mastered and got it produced on cassette tapes. Oh, and cassette tapes. I did cassette <laughs> so tapes. Funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, but I did that because that seems to be the trend right now. <laughs> no. You know, it's like I'm thinking, you know, I'm trying I'm trying to see what's the best marketing scheme for, you know, for a small solo person like myself. And so I, you know, I did the cassette tape thing, and I've maybe sold like four out of a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> and like all my other friends were like, "Yeah, I wouldn't do that," <laughs> but I, I, I did, and you know, I don't regret it. I still enjoy the fact that I did it, you know. And I did all the artwork, um, you know, did the whole jacket design myself, and even used a piece of photography that a friend of mine took of me back in two thousand eight, on the, as the cover, which mm -hmm. I, I still think is a, you know, probably kind of a frightening thing to see if you don't know what it is oh, <laughs> but uh it's yeah it's, it's a personal thing oh, okay yeah okay but uh yeah with the whole you know maja thing that's something that again like i kind of told myself i want to do this because i've you know i've been playing synthesizers probably since 2000 is when i first really started to get into it and right. you know so i've got you know a small collection of vintage and, and modern and then i started to get into modular because i I found it so fascinating. I started looking at all these different companies making their own different modules and things like that and how you could take different modules and piece them together to create something completely different and new that no one else is really, you know, that everybody is already doing, but you can basically curate your own synthesizer. That's true. I mean, that's one thing um, special that you can... Um, um, really it's got your personality your own you know set of um you know your what however you want to um cord them together you know different it's all you it's you you can customize your own personality however you want you know and very so. much a lot of it like as you you know before you understand how how everything works it's very much a science experiment of mm -hmm. what is this going to sound like because mm. at first you know you might not know but once you get a bit more associated with the different companies out there and what different set fil you know what different sounds you get from these different filters and mm. oscillators put together, then you can really start to understand what 
you're putting together and what you're going to create and, and what will come out of it maybe. Have you, um, what's your DAW? Hmm? What, what is your DAW? Pro Tools? or? Oh, it? I'm using, okay. um, what is that thing? To recording? <laughs> it's, Pro, it's Logic. Oh, okay, Logic. Yeah. Okay. I, I use Logic Pro right now. Right, right. And right. I've been using it since probably 2003. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I kind of fell in love with it just because I understood it right away. And it's mm. pretty intuitive. Mm. I tried Cubase. I didn't really, didn't mm. jive with me. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't, but I haven't used Cubase since 2003. Mm-hmm. So it's not really, I didn't keep up with the technology. I've been meaning to check out Ableton Live because all my friends have told me it's really good. I know. Every, I keep, I know, like everybody's recommended it to me, especially for live. And um, I knew I, I was eventually going to, but I was, it was such hard, it was so hard to jump, you know, the, the DAW, but I, oh, yeah. but it was like necessity, like I had to do it. But then um, once I started seeing what it could do, I, I know, I, it, you know, you can use, you can, you can be versatile now, like you can do one program for one thing and yeah. another program for another. But for, for years, I just stuck with the, like the one that I'm the most familiar um, again, though, the only drawback I'm seeing now is just this, I don't know if I'm wrong, but it's the, uh, the, the quality of sounds. I, I hear the big difference. I am hearing it, um, you know, between Pro Tools and, and Ableton. Ableton can do way, way more, but, but the sound, they, I don't, I, maybe I have it on the wrong setting, but, um, uh, that department may sway me back just cause I'm buggy <laughs> like I, it might bug me a little bit because of the sound but it's still um it's i don't know how, if i can see how i can work between those two uh, i have to figure out because it's cut if ableton's cut really customizable i don't know if i can have have it talk to pro tools i haven't done it yet so yeah, yeah. um but i don't know i spent so many years like sound designing, you know, through the analog way, you know, in the eighties and, you know, experiment so much that like, I, I'm not as, I don't know, like I don't spend the time as much starting with like the first tone type of thing. I I don't, I think because of my time constraints, um, I don't have the time and I need to get to, to what I need pretty fast. So I, you know, either I, customize and put into presets and I just need to get to um where I need to go pretty fast I mean but I know you know film composers they have wall-to-wall modulars and they can do it so I I think it's just a matter of like understanding it a little bit more like how to get there I'm sure there's like really good um um little pieces of gear I can put between stuff to get it to to get where I want (laughs) fast you know um and then um I mean considering the fact that you know you can do a lot out of just one piano you can get a really emotional effect out of just a piano you know like a a melody you know do you really need a room full you know wall-to-wall gear and you don't create any emotional at all (laughs) certain depends what you're after I mean there's really I mean sometimes I I would uh, you know I would see you know wall-to-wall you know gear and it sounds like something I've heard in a club like the night before and it's it's um not as unique you know it's dance danceable 
but it just depends on what you're you you're um, after, I guess. Um, so th that's why, like, I want all the tools. Like, I want every choice because, like, if I want just a piano and a reverb and it's got like a really emotional effect, you know, that's all it really needs. And I don't want to limit myself to like, oh, I'm just going to be this one. I only play this one Moog. That's what I'm known for. Because <laughs> 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 I, 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 then, you know, then you're lo really locked in, into, you know, and I, I know performers like that. They, they're known for one thing and that's fine, you know. Um, but um, again, I think my whole thing is just the, um, the, the total awareness of um, how life evolves and um, how things change and then like um, being able to access any, any of those emotions at any time like gives me a lot more choice and layers and moods and, and you can't put your finger on stuff. Like the most mysterious stuff is the most interesting. I mean, you, you know, when you hear, sometimes my work is so abstract, like, you know, like you can't put your finger on it. And, um, it's kind of like the abstract painting, I guess you just, then you can just read whatever you want into it. And then certain things are very spelled out like a dance piece, you, you know, that's really danceable and very simple mm -hmm. with a really great beat, you know, and then, um, so, so I, I don't limit myself to any kind, I mean, you know, I don't play different kinds of music, but I, I play, um, um, <clears throat> you know, in the electronic music realm, you know, the varied styles, like sound, it could be soundtrack, dance, um, thematic or, or whatever I mean I don't play country music for example <laughs> you know sure. I, what yeah I agree yeah yeah, yeah. I understand yeah, yeah yeah I mean I've always probably because my influence influences in the past you know my industrial influences it just just depends on what kind of music you like or whatever um the I, I would love to get into film music a lot more it's just like you have to make all those connections and you have to live in LA maybe probably <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> Um, you know, everyone I talk to, that's the situation. I mean, unless you get something up here and then go down there and everything, whatever. But, um, and there's a lot of pressure involved with that too. And a lot of the approvals. And have you gotten into that at all? You know, about I have it? not. Um, I just remember, um, was it, uh, uh, Tom Holgenberg's panel at, at, uh, oh, yeah. Simplex, and oh, he yeah. talked about how he got into it oh, right. and how complicated it was of like, you know, moving from, uh, Know, Netherlands out to mm. LA to pursue that after oh, right. being like you know a touring musician for many years and now you know trying to be based in in LA and working for other studios and other musicians while and working yourself up to eventually get those jobs and now you know it's he's flourishing you know, mm -hmm. he's, he's all over the place oh now, yeah which sure. is great but you know it took him a long time to get to that point yeah you work um under people and for a while and that's fine I mean I try to get into when I was, you know, had time to be in LA or whatever, but, um, and, you know, it's so saturated, you know, with people wanting the exact same thing, That's whatever, true. you know, yeah. so, um, it's, it's a, it, I've, I've been to some panels, you know, women in film and things like that. And, um, um, I think like Sony had a, um, sound for film fest or conference 
they've hap happened in the fall or several times and and Tom, um, Tom was another keynote mm -hmm. for one of those and he talked about all that um, and there was a women's one this last year um, and I think there's only four percent uh, uh, female film composers not surprised <laughs> Phil you know four percent so um, but anyway every, everyone's always said I should I mean even the, even the days I was trying to actually do pop, they said, well, it sounds like soundtrack. <laughs> so no matter what, it's always been like more experiential, I guess. So I think my stuff is really primed, but it's just more like, again, like trying to find where that the, the plug in would be, you know, in that world. Because I, I mean, I know that um, maybe down the line, you know, I can you know send some things out my my whole thing is like in the past i just don't send i i just don't i didn't even make too much effort like sending my stuff out to record labels or anything like i just don't i just put things out myself um so um which is interesting now because you know dark entries came out out of the blue and wanted to release my work and, and i had competitors and you know like three, four people from different parts of the world, like, you know, Amsterdam, New York, San Francisco, um, you know, just uh, England, you know, people wanting to release my 80s stuff, like all like on the same, like few months. Wow. It was like even maybe in the same month, <laughs> December last, you know, some. No, there was, there was like kind of like a bidding war to see who. There was, I mean, there was a slight one, yeah, but, and, um, which I kind of felt bad for the other labels because, you know, I would have want to put, I wanted that demand <laughs> before, you know, so suddenly it was there and I couldn't, I had to say no. And it was like, I don't know. I felt bad, like, you know, and, um, so, you know, one step at a time, I think, um, dark entries, you know, since, you know, they invested a lot in this box set, you know, we just have to give it, give it its respectful, you know, marketing time period. And then I'm sure I can, um, you know, try to do one step at a time. If another label comes up, then we'll see at that point. But um, right now I'm trying to um, explore the live a bit more because, and that's one area I have not whatsoever <laughs> explored. I mean, same with video. It's like I, the, the kind of things that you, you should really be doing. Um, you know, obviously, um, I've said before that, you know, I, I, I spent all, most of my focus on this recording studio, which is why I have a hundred albums. And then if I spent that same kind of focus on live, I'd have a hundred years of live. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, there's some, a little bit of the making up for that. Um, and I think because I haven't done live or video as much, and that's why like, um, not too many people know about me um, and it's just it's almost almost the beginning but not really I mean I'm st I'm kind of um, grouped in with like the the legacy of the 80s I guess but and the 90s <clears throat> and um, you know the whole resurgence so I'm um, wanting to uh, <coughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's time, and um, I, I think it's also unfair to audiences to have, like, so much stuff come out, like a hundred albums and a box set, and then not and not let people 
see you know see me play or do anything live because um it's kind of unfair and un, not night uh, it's kind of unfair to audiences to kind of do that like you know when you have that that level of um release um it's 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 good to to meet people and meet your fans and um show your show your face or whatever yeah. um, it's kind of more i think more now than ever um mm-hmm. the whole uh fan uh giving giving back to the fans is like mm. has become a huge thing the fan yeah well like you know the the artist and the fan interaction oh oh yeah and, and the whole social media and you know that realm yeah. i think because of that of that you know i've i've stayed in i've stayed in computer land you know since that's the comfort zone then um you know i've been interacting a lot more with facebook and you know that's been my regular um so but i i really wanted to travel more and bring it to Europe and that's been way way overdue for like decades <laughs> um so hopefully um you know because every time I, I I've played out very rarely I mean um it's really great to meet like people who've known my work or um or, or the new people who who haven't heard my work or whatever and um and just the whole discovery I think people are just blown away you know when they find out how much I've I have, um, and, um, and I'm really glad that, um, it's happening now than like 10 years from now, (laughs) then then I'll be, uh, I don't know. (laughs) So, um, and then the thing is I have to juggle that, you know, with, um, you know, my son and, uh, I think it's all right. I mean, he's getting older now and, you know, and, you know, that's the the, the tricky part of it to be able to do it. Helen, I want to thank you so much for uh, coming out and chatting with me for quite a while. Yes, this is really I know. special. Thank you. Thank you, and for providing that opportunity to, um, you know, talk for you know this this time and meet you in my favorite city. You know that I've worked. You know that most of my materials come from, you know, San Francisco, um, and it kind of brings me back. Um, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you again, Thank Brad, you. For, for coming out. Thank you.